0: Hey, this is Greg and Zach, welcome to the very first Harvestgate podcast. We are delighted to be talking to you about this project Um, and we're excited to welcome you to our very first podcast. We're going to be talking about Harvestgate, tracking our growth, development, uh, keeping you up to date on events and news that's going on. Um, But for this very first episode, we want to take some time to introduce ourselves, uh, Harvestgate and everything about this project. Uh, So Zach, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself.
1: Yeah, my name is Zach Morgan. I am a pastor here in Newark, Ohio. Uh, I've lived in this area for pretty much my entire life. I spent six years away in the Air Force. um, And I came back actually to the church that I grew up in as a pastor, which was an interesting dynamic. Uh, I've had some great leaders that have, have guided me along the way and have helped to shape uh, a lot of my thinking, a lot of my uh, behaviors. And um, yeah, it's just led to this really cool, what I believe is the, the vision of Harvestgate, uh, that, uh, man, I'm just excited to talk about with you, Greg.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too. I, I think we will dig deeper into exactly what Harvestgate is and where that idea came from. Um, but first, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about how we met and our sort of relationship and how we got here?
1: Yeah, so that's a fun story. About a year and a half ago, uh, I was playing on a church softball uh, league team, and Greg and his wife, Emily came to uh, the to the game, and that was kind of an interesting dynamic of how you guys came in the first place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a funny story as well because uh, we didn't really know you guys and we didn't necessarily have any connection to your church, even though it's like less than a mile from our house. We had a mutual friend that Emily knew through uh, a group of ladies that she meets with that knew uh, her husband, played some game that I played and and was like, hey, we should get together and and hang out. And they invited us to play softball. And uh, I think at some point while we were playing softball we discovered that we had a mutual affection for tennis, which sort of led into like, oh, well, how can we get some exercise outside of softball? Let's meet up on Fridays for tennis.
1: Yeah, and what Greg didn't tell me is that he was a really good tennis player, <laughs> and I just kind of played just for fun. Uh, so, so Greg and I started playing tennis, and that was really fun. Uh, but then the weather got cold. And so we started getting coffee, and we've been getting coffee for about a year and yeah, a Yeah, over now. a year. Uh, but one of the fun dynamics that's uh, between our relationship is I'm a pastor, obviously. Greg is not a follower uh, of the Christian way. He, he, he believes the Christian in the Christian, what I would call the Christian ethic, uh, but does not identify as a Christian himself. So, Greg, would you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, you know, it's <clears> – <throat> I think everyone has – Uh, their sort of journey or path that they've been on. And I grew up going to the church. And I think I, while I didn't totally buy into everything about it, I really picked up on a lot of Christian values about how you treat other people, uh, treating people with kindness and and loving people, even if you have differences with them. Uh, And so it's been you know, uh, certainly a a topic of conversation and discussion in my marriage where my wife is a very strong believer and I'm less so, but we agree on wanting to pass on those values to our son uh, in a way that's impactful and meaningful for him in his life. So, you know, I think the thing that meant a lot to me about our relationship and getting coffee and talking and all the conversations that we had is that I never felt this pressure to, you know, that I was any less than anyone else because I didn't believe in it. You know, we could have honest conversations about what we thought about and how we felt about things and there wasn't any judgment or pressure to like, you know, oh, well, we would be better friends if you were a believer or something like that.
1: Yeah, and I I just love your authenticity. You don't pretend to be something that you aren't. Um, but we, in honesty, apart from tennis and coffee, there's not a whole lot that we share in common, but we've developed a really good friendship. I would consider you one of my best friends at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And uh, so, so can you tell me a little bit why, as a non-believer, why you would want to join uh, a church plant that that's just, it's like, I love it. I'm also really intrigued by it.
0: It, it doesn't sort of, when you outline it that way, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, I think it's a combination of several things. I think uh, my wife's passion for the project is really exciting and that gets me excited about it. Um, but also I, I look at not just the, uh, the church side of it, but all the, positive impact that you're trying to have in and around Central Ohio and the long-term vision of how that can grow. and I think it it appeals to me because there's too many things in, in our world these days that are <clears throat> negative, that are uh, uh, that divide people uh, when we could really come together and just do good things regardless of what we believe or how we feel about certain things and why not try and make a positive impact?
1: Yeah, and you know, you and I have had this conversation before. I just believe that that's what the kingdom is all about. Whether you are a believer or not a believer, uh, coming together to bring about God's redemptive work to the world, uh, you can do that whether you are a believer in Jesus uh, and His His ways or not. So, uh, yeah, Greg, does this seem like a good time to kind of talk about what's going on with Harvestgate, how we got to this point.
0: yeah, let's let's dig in a little bit deeper on what Harvestgate is. Um, uh, you know what exactly is it we're talking about our involvement in and then we can maybe get more into our uh, you know related experience and what we're bringing to the project.
1: Yeah, so I'll try to be brief about this, but my story with church planting, goes back to 2009. In 2009, my wife and I, Liz, were in a church in Florida while I was in the military. And our church was wanting to start small groups. And at the time, I had just fallen in love with everything church. I wanted everything to do uh, with the church. And so I heard that they were doing small groups. And I said, oh, can I lead one? They said sure, and I said okay. What's a small group? <laughs> and uh, so they kind of laid it out, and I said okay. Is there like a curriculum? Is there is there anything like that that I need to go by? And they said well n- no. Okay, so uh, being the the naive uh, young man that I was, I thought well I only have the Bible to go off of, so I guess that's a good place to start. So I remember in Acts chapter two there is this part where it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to uh, receiving of the Lord's Supper. And then at at verse 47, it says, and the Lord added daily uh, to their numbers those who were being saved. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess we'll just go with this. And so our our small group, we first started out with eight people. And like every church in America and in the uh, 20, uh, in the 2000s, our, our little slogan was, love God, love people, serve your world. So I went through that passage, and I said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That would be love God and to fellowship. That's love people. And um, you know, I just kind of broke it down that way. And our group started out with eight people, and within about three months or so, we were averaging about 35 people or so. Wow. And uh, that group became church for people. We, um, we did communion, we did worship, we did teaching, uh, we ate a lot, we laughed a lot, we cried a lot, and it just became beautiful. And it was at that point where I felt like, man, I, I, looking back in hindsight, I had no idea what church planting was, but I was like, we should just start a church. <laughs> Yeah. and by God's grace, uh we did not because I was an idiot back then. I'm still an <laughs> idiot, but less so um and humble <laughs> yeah uh i lacked I, I lacked humility back then and um it just it was a price of uh, a a piece of pride for me uh so so that's where my heart for church planting began uh, and then we'll fast forward in two thousand and fourteen. I got out of the military. Uh, I became a pastor at the church where I'm now currently serving here in Newark. In 2016, um, uh, at the behest of my lead pastor, who is like a multiplication guru, um, he encouraged me to go do a church planting, uh, church planters assessment. And so Liz and I went through that. It was like a two or three day thing. Um, and Liz, they, your wife. Liz, is my wife. Yes. Yeah. Um So it's a three-day journey where basically you're being uh, interrogated is not the right word, but interviewed about your your life and your life experience um, for probably eight hours a day. Um, And ultimately what they said was they gave three options. Uh, They say, yes, you possess the qualities to be a lead church planter right now. Yes, you do possess these things, but you – need some significant training or coaching, Mm -hmm. uh, or no. Um, and Liz and I received a no, or uh, sorry, we received a yes. Uh, we are ecstatic. Uh, that was in 2016. And, um, so we, we left there like, all right, this is awesome. Still feel called to church planting, but we don't feel released from where it is that we're currently serving. Um, so then in 2017, I went to a church planters conference in Florida called Exponential, uh, which is, I feel like now's a great time to plug Exponential. If you are interested in church planting or multiplication or discipleship, Exponential is a fantastic uh, conference that I I highly recommend. It's the largest gathering of church planters and multipliers uh, around uh, the world. Something like 5,000 people come out to that. But uh, it was there at Exponential. Uh, I had met a fellow church planter mm-hmm. who was actually doing it. I I just kind of felt like an imposter because I had not yet planted a church. But I met him. His name is Corey Dorian. He's out in, um, I believe, Washington or Oregon area. And he got permission from his district to uh, buy a house in a neighborhood. And basically, they just did a house church. And their ministry, their their vision was to do everything in their neighborhood for their neighborhood. So they met in their house, but they did all their shopping, all their hair cutting, everything happened in their neighborhood.
0: Hmm.
1: And so I asked Corey. I said, "So this is fantastic, but what are you doing? What are you, how are you finding that you can support yourself um, apart from like being?" Paid by the district. Financially. Financially, yeah. And he said, "Uh, yeah, I haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) And so um, I loved that vision, but it kind of felt like all the wind was let out of the sails because it's like, well, I'm not going to be able to find a district or or a place that's just going to, I'm not going to be able to find a sugar daddy, essentially.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's important for you because you have a wife, you have three kids. Yeah. You've got to support that whole household as well.
1: Yeah. And if I had a... You know, really rich uncle or something like that who wanted to. What was that movie? Was it Baxter's Millions or Brewster's Millions? Richard Pryor. It's a great movie. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but that was not the case for me. So, so I started kind of dreaming. Uh, so, how could we do this? Uh, and I was reminded. Um, I feel like God reminded me of this that. Uh I had a dream to open a coffee house before I was called into ministry. But once I was called into ministry, I kind of thought, well, um uh, well that dream is just going to have to die. This is part of gotta die to yourself. Uh right. so so I let that go and I hopped into ministry. Um but here in 2017 at Exponential, I felt like God gave me a dream to br- to marry both um, the marketplace and the church together. And God gave me this vision. I called home. I called Liz and I said, Liz, uh, God gave me this vision. Here's the vision. And she said, well, that's great that he gave you that vision. Uh, but he did not give that to me. Um, <laughs> and and if, if he wants us to do this, he's going to have to talk to me about that. Again, all the wind out of my sails. Yeah. Um, so at that point I had put church planting in my back pocket and I thought, well, maybe one day down the road, 10 or 20, 30 years from now, God will let us plant a church. Yeah. Uh, so in 2018, Liz and I began the process of becoming, uh, missionaries, uh, to go to Vienna, Austria. And, uh, it was a great process. It was about a nine month process where we were kind of going through that process uh, application process. And, uh, through that, we are getting lots of affirmations from the people who essentially would have benefited from it. Uh, so the people uh, who would be sending us, but what we were missing was affirmations from people who were close to us, who lived like our family and, and our spiritual mentors who, who are surrounding us. So, uh, For the last four years, I have been working on my Master's of Divinity uh, with a specialization in church planting and multiplication through Wesley Seminary. Uh, One of the classes that I had to take for my specialization was a class called Launch. So uh, by this point in the story, we're in 2019, uh, January of 2019. About a year ago. About a year ago, almost to the day. And um, one of the first assignments was tell... Uh, give an, uh, an autobiography of your <laughs> your experience or your involvement with church planting and multiplication. And so I essentially was, you know, typing out everything that I had just shared. You know, I uh, felt called to plant a church 10 years ago. Here it is 10 years later. Still haven't planted. Woe is me.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, as I am writing that paper, I get a text message from my pastor, Chris Dyer. And he says, Zach, do you still feel called to plant a church? And I was like, yes. And he said, because I have been talking with Ed Love, who's the director of multiplication for the Wesleyan Church. And he thinks that I just need to push you out of the nest and let you fly. And um, works for birds. It works for birds. (laughs) Um, uh, So I remember I screenshotted it. I sent it to Liz. Liz. And remember, we're still trying to go through the process of becoming missionaries uh, at this point. And so, uh, I sent it to Liz. I said, so things might be changing. And little did we know that, that that moment set us on a course to to birth what we now are talking about, Harvestgate. And so, that's kind of what led us here to this, this moment. Um, yeah, and... That class was an amazing class. that helped us put essentially to paper uh, everything that I, had been in my head that was just kind of ethereal is now becoming a reality.
0: So it's it's a, been a long journey. There's been a lot of things that have sort of led you to that point. So now that we're here, define Harvestgate. What is Harvestgate? Um, you know, you talked about the coffee house. You talked about house churches. Uh, package those together for us or for the listener to explain what that is.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, I grew up in a, what I would call a traditional kind of church. And I'm not talking about the music necessarily, but it's a place where you go on a given day of the week. Um, uh, and that's what we call church. But as I've studied the scriptures and as I've studied um, church history and things like that, what I have found is that the movement of God's people often happen, um, in homes. And so, uh, what we say at, at Harvestgate, uh, our, what it would be our mission statement essentially is connecting faith to families, communities, and marketplaces. So I heard some statistics a few years ago, and these numbers aren't exactly correct, um, but they're close enough, um, Again, I believe I was at exponential, and I heard a pastor say this. He said that 83 percent of pastors in the last 12 months do not have any friends who are non-churchgoers. And that broke my heart. Another thing that he said is, uh, is something like 53 or 63 percent of pastors in the last 12 months have not personally led somebody to Jesus. And I remember just thinking, we have to do something that's different. If we're trying to tell our people uh, that they need to be loving their neighbor and caring for their neighbor and loving those who are different them, than them and loving those who have different relation, or, uh, different ideologies, um, how are we going to teach them these things when we ourselves aren't doing it? Yeah. Wh- which again, Greg, is another reason why I love our relationship because... Um, because uh, we don't agree on everything it's
0: know. a it really is a relationship that it uh, like in my head does did wouldn't make sense you know because I have often felt <clears throat> uncomfortable at church where um you know people I, I've always, and I've had a handful of interactions where somebody comes up to you and says, "Oh are you saved uh, and it always feels aggressive and sort of an invasion of like well I can choose to believe what I want to believe and I don't necessarily Want to share that with everyone? Though I obviously am now, uh, you know, it's it it is uh, an interesting dynamic how we got here and how it just works. Uh, And there's no, I don't ever feel that uncomfortable, you know, pressure or you know, bias towards believers versus non-believers or something like that. I can just be whoever I am. So uh, thanks for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and that doesn't mean that we don't talk about spiritual matters. Yeah, Um, you know, I've, I've told you before, like if. If I didn't want you to believe what I believe, then what I believe is actually not worth it, or I'm True. just a jerk for yeah. not wanting you to believe that. So um, so actually, Greg, the, the reason that we are doing our church is for people exactly like you who have been hurt by the church, who have been burned by the church, who just don't want to associate, and I'm not saying that you don't necessarily don't want to associate with the sure. church, but um, uh, people who just feel disenfranchised. There's been some studies, some uh, more anecdotal, some uh, legitimate, but that have said that if the church as it stands now, as, it, as is traditionally configured, were to operate at 100%, we would only reach about 40% of the population. So when I say traditional church, I'm talking about brick and mortar church where you go to a certain place on a certain day of the week. Right. Uh, and if you're really spiritual, one other time throughout the week, maybe you're part of a small group or something like that. Um, but so we have roughly 95% of churches in America who are going after 40%, while maybe 5% are going after the other 60% of people. Uh, Harvestgate, I believe is a church that wants to go after the 60%, those people who will never step foot into a traditional kind of church. So, uh, we want to engage people in what we would call the third place, um, of of life, uh, I remember reading a book uh, called uh, "The Story of Christianity" by Justo Gonzalez, uh, who is a really famous church historian. And there was a there was a passage in there that really just struck me. He said this. He says, "In truth, most missionary work was not carried out by the apostles, but rather by the countless and nameless Christians who, for different reasons persecution, business, or missionary calling." traveled from place to place, taking the news of the gospel with them. And as I was thinking about that and pondering that, I I couldn't help but to think that, you know, Paul became a tent maker and he used his tent making to build relationships with people and then use that to share the gospel. Uh, his, uh, his partners in ministry, Priscilla and Aquila, were also tent makers. You have Lydia, who was uh, the first one, the first person baptized in Europe uh, and there was a church that met in her home she was a seller of fine purple linen uh, the uh, the writer of the book Luke in Acts Luke uh, was a physician so each of these people used their vocation in order to uh, to to pastor people essentially so that's kind of where the idea of harvestgate came from so what we want to do is we want to open a coffee house where we can engage people in the third place of life. Uh, there is a, a book written called The Great Good Place, and it, it identifies three different places of life. You have the first place, which is home, the second place, which is work, and then the third place, which is uh, kind of defined by like neutral ground. It's a place where everyone feels welcome. Uh, it's a level place. Conversation is the main activity. Um, it's easily accessible, and there's accommodation for everybody. It's it has regulars. You think of uh, Cheers, right? Right. Um, yeah. um, low kind of uh, a low profile. The mood is playful, and kind of you refer to it as like a home away from home. I have a local coffee house here that I attend. Attend tend, I say, that I I frequent very regularly. Well, and
0: we go there together. Yes. And whenever we're there, there are, you know, maybe a dozen people or so over the hour or hour and a half that we're talking that know you, have, you know, seen you at church, have seen you around town. They, you know, certainly remember you by name. Some are just, hello, some are, oh, how's the family? How's the kids? You know, and they know, they certainly really do know you.
1: Yeah. And it's not just the case for me too. It's also the case for you too.
0: That's true. I have uh, maybe by accident come to meet and know lots of people through my relationships with uh, people at both your church and another church here in town that, you know, all of a sudden in having. And I should clarify, I'm not originally from Newark. I moved here from Columbus. My wife, Emily, is from Newark. And there were a lot of times, maybe a lot of years soon after I moved out here that I felt very isolated uh, didn't know anybody, you know, I, have spent the last eight years almost working from home and, uh, working from home is great, but you don't meet anyone working from home, just your dogs and your family. Uh, and so how I feel now, you know, emotionally and, and mentally so much better having these relationships with people. Uh, where I live, and having met you, and and you know us being able to get together regularly to talk and share what's going on in our lives has made a huge difference.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that that community aspect is really important. Yeah. Um, this is not the case entirely across uh, the the Christian realm, but a lot of times in the church, uh, community or relationships are kind of sterile. We might have a, a few. Uh, close knit relationships, but there's not um a general sense of of community right uh, we might say that we have a community of people, but we really only see each other once a week, yeah, maybe twice a week um and so what I love about our relationship I mean we text each other maybe not daily but pretty pretty close to that.
0: You are a master of the uh the gift by the way
1: thank you uh <laughs> it is a skill that i <laughs> uh but um, yeah, I mean like we, we communicate pretty frequently and, and I've yeah. – uh, again, I would say that our – I, I could be mistaken in this. This is honest moments, Zach and Greg. <laughs> I feel like our, our relationship when it first started was kind of awkward.
0: Maybe. I, I think we were both figuring it out. It's yeah. a believer and a non-believer at, at probably extreme ends of that spectrum – uh, I don't, I'm not like an active non-believer. I'm not like dissuading people, but I just, you know, am, am comfortable where I am. Yeah. And, and I think we were both trying to figure out like, well, are, you know, are we going to offend each other? Are we going to be,
1: yeah.
0: you know, uncomfortable with, uh, these types of conversations? And I think we figured out pretty quickly that no, we're fine. You know, having honest discussions about it and, and we can come and go from that topic, you know, without it feeling forced or uncomfortable, like, oh, well, we got to talk about that big cross-shaped elephant in the room, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it kind of sounds like an intro to a bad joke, right? Like a pastor and an, an agnostic walk into a <laughs> coffee house. We're hoping that through the coffee house, we are able to engage people in relationship. Yeah. Now, um, I have a, a, a family member who is asking about this. And they said, "So, like, is this like a Christian coffee house where it's like, okay, here's your coffee. Now, if you want prayer, step over to this line, uh, and we'll give you, uh, and we'll have somebody to send over to pray for you." And I was like, "No, that would just be weird uh, and uncomfortable." Um,
0: I can I can uh, verify that <laughs> that I would also feel weird and uncomfortable about
1: that. <laughs> I would feel weird and uncomfortable about that, and yeah. I'm a pastor. Well oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> uh, so, no, this is this is. uh, uh it is a for-profit coffee house that I will be the owner of. Yeah. Um, but the idea is, is that we want to engage the world in really good quality service, quality product. Um, to here's the thing: I believe that our worship uh, and our work is intimately tied together.
0: Yeah. So We were all, everybody on the Harvest Gate team was just reading a book about this. Yeah. And how, you know, your work and what you do should be fulfilling and and tied to, you know, how, you, like, what you love to do.
1: Yes. Yeah, and so the, the, the Hebrew word for the word work uh, in the Old Testament, uh, Genesis chapter 2, uh, it says that God put Adam in the garden to work the field and take care of it. That word work is the Hebrew word aved, uh, and it... Literally is used throughout uh, the the Old Testament to mean service or service to God, and so that word is often used synonymously with the word worship. So I believe that one of the best ways that I can sh- share the gospel with people
0: mm-hmm.
1: is through doing really, really good work. Yeah, and treating people and and uh, treating people really well, and you know. There's a saying. I don't know if you are aware of the saying, Greg, uh, but Saint Francis of Assisi said, "Preach, uh, preach often, and when necessary, use words." Um, I think it's a great, it's a great sentiment. But I think what that has happened in the church is we just go, "Well, I don't need to say anything because I'm, I'm, I'm doing it with my life." I think right. there, I think that words are important, and that we need to have those conversations, which is why I think you and I have those conversations.
0: Yeah.
1: But. So we want to use our uh, the coffee house to engage people into relationships so then we can then invite them into discipleship uh, and then into uh, our house church which is what we're going to be it's not going to be a building it's going to be wherever um, people live and and work or live so it doesn't matter if you live in an eight thousand square foot mansion uh, which if you do, please invite me over. I want to see right, that. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, or if you live in a studio apartment, it doesn't matter. You can have church right there um, and engaging in those things that the early church engaged in. Uh, to they, they devoted themselves to the apostles. Uh, teaching and to the breaking of bread and to communion and to fellowship. You can do those things all from your home. And we so we want to engage people in the first, the second, and the third place of life.
0: So uh, I think the coffee house ties back into the example you were giving earlier, and I apologize, I forget who you, who you were specifically referring to, but when they were talking about, you know, starting this house church and they felt called to do that, Uh, It was it was great. And they, they, you know, felt very passionately about that. But how do you support your family? The coffee house is really going to do that. It's going to support your family to enable you to do the stuff in that community. And we should clarify, you know, we're in Newark, Ohio right now. Harvestgate is going to be in Columbus. You know, you're not opening a coffee house and you're going to like sometimes be there. You're going to move there to live, you know, within short distance of the coffee house, or at least that's the plan.
1: Yes. And uh, thank you for, for bringing that up. Uh, our, our big dream is that we want to have a transforming presence in every zip code in Columbus. And in Columbus, there are 49 zip codes.
0: That's a lot of zip codes.
1: That's a lot of zip codes. So that means that we want to have either a business, and it doesn't have to be a coffee house, but um, a business and or a house church in every zip code in Columbus. So you're you're absolutely correct, Greg. That will be my vocation. That will be the the way that I uh, sustain uh, our life and our family. Yeah. And here's one of the things I love uh, about what we're doing. Uh, through the coffee house, ten percent of all of our profits are going to go to start other businesses, or other um, churches, or other faith communities. So, right, Greg, let's say that. Uh, in this hypothetical situation, you become a believer and you've always wanted to start Greg's Yoga Studio.
0: <laughs> I can think of a couple other businesses I might start first, but let's go with yoga. It's I true, can aspire yeah. to something. Uh,
1: so we would then launch you out uh, through, the, through the, the pool of money, essentially. It's coming in through Harvestgate Coffeehouse right. uh, to help start Greg's Yoga Studio. Yeah. So we want to be a place that is a blessing to other individuals, yes, but also to the community as well. Uh, so which kind of informs our name. Um, the name Harvest Gate comes kind of from three things. Uh, Jesus says uh, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest for more workers. We want to be a part of the harvest uh, in Columbus. As of 2010, there is uh, 693,127 people who have no religious affiliation at all. Uh, we That's want to see here. that. Yeah, we want to see that number changed. Um, so we want to be a part of the harvest. That's where we get harvest from. Gate kind of seems a little strange, and I'm going to address the elephant in the room. It seems like when you put gate at the end of something, like water gate, um, <laughs> it, it seems to not go well. We,
0: Harvest gate is not a harvest-related scandal. No, religion. it is not. Okay. It is,
1: uh, it's, it's rooted in, in biblical ideologies. So uh, Jesus says uh, that I am the gate. None come to the Father except through me. So we want to be very, very, very Jesus-centered. I had this revelation a couple of years ago where I felt like God spoke to me and he said, Zach, you've become so institutionalized that you've been trying to win people to church and not to Jesus. And so that began me on a journey that I, I really just want to be so Jesus-centered that it it's... Uh,
0: Thinking about taking up carpentry as well?
1: <laughs> <laughs> My dad's a carpenter, so that, well, that works. Um, but... Um, so that's where we kind of get the idea of Harvestgate, but it goes a little further than that. In the New Testament, Paul used the word ekklesia to talk about the church as the Greek word ekklesia. Now in America, what we generally tend to do is we define that word uh, pretty narrowly and we say it's a gathering of people or the gathering of the saints. And to be sure it is that it is a gathering of people but Paul actually um, uh, took that word from the secular community. Uh, So every village, town, or city would have a group of elders who would meet uh, at the city gate. And that, that group of elders, their responsibility was to bring wisdom and counsel and clarity and value to the city's towns or villages in which they lived. So if there's uh, an engagement, they would kind of affirm the engagement. If there's a dispute between landowners, they would make a judgment based off of the information that came in. Um, Just different things like that. So that gathering of people at the city gate was called an ecclesia. And so Paul, I believe, knew this when he used the word ecclesia to, to describe the church. So I believe that Paul wanted the church to know that we exist for our communities. We exist for the cities, towns, or villages that we live in. So as a business, we want to bring value to our community. We want to hire people. Uh, We want to create jobs. We want to uh, to give back to our community. We want to be a gathering space for people, uh, whether you are a Christian or not, yeah. uh, or whatever the case is. Uh, so that's kind of what we're wanting to do there with our business.
0: I think it's uh, a really, one of the things that drew me to the project was that it's such a seems like an unconventional idea that it can be a business Uh, that can do good. And so often these days, you know, capitalism in America is fueled by this uncontrollable greed for more, for more, for more. And companies seem to only want to do good things if it makes them appealing to customers, if it's going to lead to more sales. And it sort of takes (coughs) business away from any type of morality and starts to only think about like, well, what what good could we do that will positively influence our bottom line? And I don't like that, uh, that, that sort of greed, uh, really turns me off of businesses. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to, I guess, describe exactly how I feel about it in a, in a professional way. Um, (laughs) but, but nevertheless, I think I really like that Harvestgate is, taking a business and saying, OK, this is not just about making as much money as possible and that the only people that are going to be positively impacted by that are the tiny handful of people at the top or those that have invested the most money or something like that, that we're not going around looking for investors to share in, in what we're doing or some way. We're looking for Uh, And this is a good time to probably talk about that. We're going to be looking for people to donate to help support this project. Uh, And we're going to be talking about fairly transparently on this podcast about uh, our progress with that and uh, how we're doing and how we're reaching our goals and setting our goals and how that's all going to enable this project to happen.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's important that we say that uh, we view this as kind of a missionary endeavor. Um, That a lot of times missionaries will go to a foreign country and they will start a business in order to engage people in, in the, in the community. And yeah. we're wanting to do the exact same thing here in Columbus. So the, the, the business and the house church are in a symbiotic relationship with one another. Yeah. I tell people this, that if we have just a business and no house church, uh, we are just a business and we don't want to be just a business. Yeah. Uh, If we have just a house church and no business, I'm going to be living in a box (laughs) and I won't be taking care of my family and uh, I don't want them to resent me. Um, And we also won't have a way to engage people into the house church because we won't have any way of knowing people.
0: You can't have a house church without a house.
1: Exactly. So um, we've kind of wrestled with this. uh, Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? In this situation, it's the the business uh, because we – So for us to move to Columbus, uh, the housing market there is about $100,000 more than what we currently are going in. Yeah, no doubt about Um, that. And so uh, I I truly believe that this is of God because um, I don't know if – I think that I might be able to to plant a church and do okay with it just because I'm familiar with that. I've never started a business though, uh, and I don't really know much about business. Fortunately, we have a team of people. Uh, who have been surrounding us, uh, like your your wife, Emily. Yep.
0: Yeah, your wife, uh, Liz.
1: Yeah, and uh, just some others on the team uh, who have great skill and great um, uh, knowledge. And we also have um, outside counselors. Um, I don't know if counselor is the right word. Out, outside sources who are speaking into our lives and speaking into the business itself. So that's really yeah. helpful as well.
0: And, and I think it's worth uh, mentioning now that we're going to take some time over the coming weeks. We're hoping to do this podcast weekly uh, and meet some of the people that are on this team and how they're going to be contributing. And I think that goes to uh, also we'll be talking more about uh, your history and background and, and uh, experience. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about you know myself and my wife your wife and other team members and how everybody is kind of connected to this and and how uh sort of um serendipitous it is about how we all sort of got connected with this there you know it's a really sort of weirdly shaped grapevine that's connected everybody to bring them here
1: yeah well and and to speak to that point um i think a lot of times when we plant churches or we start businesses or things like that what we tend to do is say, I have these positions that need filled, and yeah. so I'm going to find people who fit these these roles. I feel like we've done this a little differently. Um, God has laid people on my heart, um, and I have sought them out um, and we have uniquely, we found their unique gifts and skills and have plugged them into the places where they will thrive the most. And I believe that's what we're called to do in the church is to release people so that they can live an abundant life um, in in and who God has made them to be.
0: I think that's a, a really fine point to end on for our first podcast Yeah, for Harvestgate. Um, it's been great sharing uh this project and this idea with everybody and we hope that uh, everyone's excited to keep tabs on what we're doing and the development of it uh we'll be getting into more detail on uh, our goals and our timeline and and lots and lots more uh in upcoming episodes um for now people can check us out and track what's going on at harvestgate.org that's great and we're currently on what social media
1: We are on Facebook and Instagram for the time being.
0: And definitely more to come in the future. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much for listening. i have had fun. Follow us on social media at Harvestgate Network.
1: There are several ways you can engage with us and support Harvestgate at harvestgate.org.
0: You can subscribe to the Harvestgate podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you're as excited as we are about this project, please consider sharing it with the people in your life.
1: Thanks for listening to the Harvestgate podcast, connecting faith to families, communities, and marketplaces.